0: One, welcome back to Causey's Conversations. I'm your host, Jared Causey. Thank you for tuning in today. Um, just for those of you that are interested, uh, there are plenty of episodes that I've done lately. We're back into the podcast season since the quarantine has happened, and or not quarantine, the lockdown, whatever you want to call it. Uh, hopefully, this will stay pretty consistent. But um, yeah, just go back and listen to whatever you know episode you want. Um, you know, the ones that that inter- interest you topic-wise, they're there for you. You can leave a rating, I guess, if you want to. If not, that's cool, too. It, it, I'm not really doing this for the ratings. I'm just just doing this, I guess, to encourage people and to, you know, just help people in any way that I can. But anyway, today um, I have a, a friend uh, joining me, and uh, not only a friend, but he's one of my pastors, so I don't know. this is kind of nerve-wracking a little bit. This is, I guess this is the first time I've had a pastor, one of my pastors on. So, But uh, anyway, Landon Dees is with me today. Thanks for joining me, Landon. Glad to be here. So Landon is an elder here at Grace yeah. uh, here in Burleson. So Amy and I live in, in Fort Worth on campus at Southwestern, but we, we drive about 15-20 minutes to Burleson for church at uh, Grace I mean, Fort Worth and Burleson are just right there next yeah. to each other, so it doesn't feel like we're really far away. But anyway, we've, we found Grace View, uh, I guess, I guess it's like a year and a half Ago, where when I found it, um, I think I came here for like the living nativity. Oh yeah, and um, me and my roommate at the time came, and uh, I was I was going to another church at the time, but I knew that we would probably be going searching for a new one after me and Amy got married, and then we ended up. Landing here after a little while, and so been, there, been here ever since. We haven't been—I haven't been kicked out. I mean, it's no surprise that Amy hasn't. Not been yet. Kicked, not yet. <laughs> yeah. well, we'll keep Amy. Yeah, that's that's the uh, that's We're what I figured let you out. You in because of Amy? Exactly. Yeah, I, that's totally understandable. Um, but you know, uh, it's been great. Gracie's been a blessing. to Amy and I made a lot of have a lot of new friends, and I guess feels like family members. Honestly, um, Gracie's a very family oriented church. You know, and that's that's kind of the best way I've, you know, I could explain Grace View. Yeah, we attempt to be, right, right. So, um, Landon, uh, go ahead, and if you would, um, if you want to, just kind of talk a little about who you are, where you, how you grew up, and you know how the Lord has led you throughout uh, and directed your past throughout your life, and
1: uh, and how you ended up here at Grace View. Yeah, yeah. Like Jared said, my name's Landon. Um, I have uh, my wife Crystal. We've been married 17 years. We have four kids. We have a one-year-old, a seven-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a 15-year-old. Uh, we've been part of Graceview since, um, since the relaunch, since the, the replant, revitalization, whatever you want to call it. Um, growing up, I grew up in a, a Christian home, um, more nominal maybe, uh, in and out of church as a kid, but parents were believers. And when I was about eight, I attended a, a VBS, kind of a day camp type of a thing, with a friend that invited me, and it, it was there that, um, although I had heard the gospel before, um, it was there that um, God opened my eyes and my, my ears, and it, and it resonated with me. So I went home and, and shared with my dad uh, about this, and he walked me through the scriptures, and and talked me through what it meant to repent and believe and, and follow Jesus and confess Him as Lord and Savior. So I put my faith in, in Christ at that point. Uh, my family kind of continued on the same path, uh, being a part of a couple of different local churches uh, during that time. In my teenage years, our family didn't attend church very often. And when I was a, a junior in high school, my wife was a sophomore, We met and started uh, dating, and then uh, after we graduated, uh, we became part of uh, a local church that's here um, in Burleson, where we're from, and that church, uh, we served in that church. My wife is a a hairstylist, and I owned a small business, and that church was growing. It was a church of about 1,500 people or so, so we served in that church. We served in kids' ministry and youth ministry. I honestly knew that, that God had called me to be in pastoral ministry, but that's not something I wanted to do necessarily. It didn't seem like a good uh, strategy <laughs> in my 20s.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, through some, some circumstances that, that happened, God kind of opened my eyes to that. Uh, during that the season, really throughout our 20s, we were faithful in serving the church, um, you know, camps, that sort of a thing. Uh, just as lay people within the church. And then about 09, 08, 09, my parents were married 30 years, and, and they were divorced. Uh, my my wife's brother died in a, a tragic accident. So, so some things happened that kind of caused us to, to really rethink, you know, like you might not get later um, what is God calling us to be obedient to now. So it was at, at that point... Um, as we were part of this church that I began uh, working on an undergrad at Southwestern Seminary. And by that point I was 20, I was 29, 30. Um, and so started, started working on that. And shortly after that, the church we were a part of, it really imploded. I mean, to put it, uh, I don't really know any other way to explain it. Right. Um, some people that were in leadership left, um, and people left with them, and that happened twice. And then um, the church kind of shifted gears and started saying, okay, what is expository preaching, these sorts of things. And uh, I came on staff during that time. And this church that was about 1,500 people had about 100 people. Wow. And um, I came on initially as kind of a children's director or children's pastor, and with that group of a hundred, we, we moved from that facility. and um, during that time, the lead pastor that had came in to help you know redirect us, um, he passed away uh, from cancer. And my, my first sermon to ever preach was uh, was kind of during that time. I'd been on staff just a few months and preached my first sermon to a hundred people in a <laughs> thousand seat uh, auditorium. How, how was that? What was uh, what, Tell me about your first sermon. First sermon was like, uh, so I know many people, many pastors preach from a manuscript, and I thought that was the way to go. <laughs> I've actually been trying to return to a manuscript ever since, but the reason I haven't is because of that first sermon. I, the, the content I felt like was pretty solid. Yeah. The delivery, <laughs> not so much. I just really just stood there and uh, kind of stuck to my notes and, and really read my sermon uh, more than anything and it made it uh, quite a bit more awkward that it was a a thousand seat auditorium with about a hundred people in it. Um, I had actually been on vacation um, that week and our church had moved to elder leadership, uh, but the pastor that had um, gotten sick, uh, he didn't know yet at that point that he had cancer, but Pastor Aaron was out of town in Oxford on a study program. And Pastor Charles was this guy's name and he told the other elders, you know, Hey, I want Landon to do it. And so uh, I came back from vacation and I spent my whole vacation working on this sermon <laughs> and you know spent about 50 hours on this thing. Right. It was probably the worst sermon I ever preached and got up there, stuck to my notes, read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our people were loving as they still are and were gracious. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't mind-blowing by any means. So were you considered an elder
0: at that time, or were you just no, on of staff? Just on
1: staff. Uh, I believe, I think at that time, I, I think my position was uh, children's director or, right. or something like that. Uh, but yeah, I just came on staff. I believe I came on staff in March of 2010, and that would have been, you no, know, March of 2011, and that would have been the summer of 2011. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. So I was just a
1: part-time, Yeah. Uh, kind of the, my role really in that phase was uh, Pastor Charles brought me on under Aaron's recommendation to um, kind of get the children's ministry going in the direction that we were as a church.
0: And so for those of you who do not know this, Aaron Scarborough is, is who he's referring to. He's the pastor, kind uh, of the lead uh, elder pastor here at Graceview. Um, so did... So you and Aaron knew each other uh, before that, or was it?
1: Yeah, so um, I became part of that church in about 2002. I don't exactly know when Aaron was. I think sometime in the late 90s. Uh, We knew each other. Um, He was on staff in in different roles kind of through the early 2000s. And um, knew who he was, but the church was, you know, for our town, you know, 1,500 people. Right now we have about fifty thousand people in Burleson. Back right. then it was maybe 38,000, something like that. So it was a decent-sized church. Right. So in a church of that size, you know people. But you're dumb. just that
0: bald guy. Yeah, just that bald, <laughs> that bald
1: guy. Um, he wasn't was quite as bald then, but really? it, he was headed that way quickly. Um, but yeah, he was uh, he was still going. Yeah. He was going bald. Right, um, but uh, yeah, knew who he was, but we didn't hang out. Um, he and I didn't really become close. Until that, that season that I mentioned in, in about 08, 09, right. when I started going through some stuff. At, at the same time that my parents got divorced, her brother passed away. The nice. church was imploding and the wheels were falling off of the right. thing, uh, which in the end left him kind of being the only um, pastor that was on staff. Right, uh, And then Charles came in for a season there before. He was there about two years when he passed away. Gotcha. Yeah. So like going back to kind of the 2008,
0: 2009 season of your life that, I mean, how did that really affect your, I mean, how would that affect your ministry? I should say, I mean, uh, I guess you were on staff, right? You said, uh, no, I didn't come on staff. Oh, right. That
1: was when yeah. I started it. Um, through that season is when I just started rethinking, um, you know, what has God called me to that thing? Why am I putting this off? That sort of a, a thing. Um, So, yeah, I really think that season in my life had to do with I was working through, you know, being obedient to what God had called me to do. My mindset back then was several things, um, one of which kind of being that I'll get to that later. Um, I knew that there was God was calling me to do something, uh, that it was more than you know, just serving in, in certain areas as a lay person. I knew it was more of a vocational, mm-hmm. pastoral type of, of calling. But, um, yeah, there was something about that that season that um, just caused me to, to work through what that was right. to say, hey, especially with um, her brother and I were super close. Mm. My wife and I got together so young that— You know, I kind of he was a little brother to me. He was he was good friends with my little brother, so Mm -hmm. it was it was more than a a brother in law, right? At that point, I'd known him since he was you know ten or eleven. Wow, Um, yeah. So he would be at our house, you know, several days a week, you know, as we were a young married couple, and he's you know in his late teenage years, hanging out. So there was something about that that God used to wake me up to: we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Right, you can't just you know try to make money now and deal with ministry when your bank account's fat. Uh, I really feel like that was probably the the sin at, at that point in my life that uh, was really central to, to not being obedient. right. Yeah.
0: So um, I guess um, you know at, through that situation, the Lord kind of um, directed you into ministry eventually. Um, maybe not yeah. right at that point, but eventually. So. Like, going off of that, like, what, like, people maybe listening to this, I don't know, that are struggling with that, quote-unquote, calling of yeah. being in ministry, you know, we're all called into ministry, yeah. in a, you know, general as all Christians are, but vocationally, what, how do you know, I mean, this is a very loaded question, but how do you know if someone is, or how can someone know if they're called into vocational ministry?
1: Yeah, for me, it was pretty clear. Um, I just knew. I, I think <laughs> yeah. if you know, you know. Right. Um, what wasn't clear was exactly how that looked. Right. You know, right. I just knew that I, I was to take kind of the next. I was to move that way, uh, which is when I when I started working on a degree. I was called to call them, just move that way, and then you know, uh, you're at Southwestern, and when you walk into back then undergrad, but graduate yeah. works the same thing. You have these for me I was much older than these guys I was in class with and they would be like oh yeah I'm called to be a, a lead pastor and this is what I'm going to do and you know I didn't have I didn't know that right um, I just knew that I was called to be obedient and to move forward so I would just encourage men that are, that are called to pastor that it's okay to not know what exactly that role or that capacity is because uh, I didn't then. And, and in time, you know, it, it's become clear uh, what that looks like. And, you know, what I didn't know was, you know, I would have come on staff at, at that church, which would later become, you know, Graceview. And that preparation, even though I didn't have much of a head start, the preparation that, that I was working towards you know, that first sermon would have been a thousand times worse right. if I hadn't been obedient, you know, the year or so prior to that. So I always want to encourage guys that that don't, they know they're called, but they're not right. exactly sure to what capacity to start training in that direction. Right. Um, because you'll know. Right. You'll know when it's time. And seminary can be discouraging in that because a lot of these dudes, man, they're just like, oh, yeah, I'm calling you this. yeah. And maybe some of them do, right? But right. that's not how it worked for me, and that's not how it works for a lot of people.
0: I was definitely one of those guys. Not, and it was, this was before seminary. I was, I mean, I was in college at McNeese State University in Louisiana, and I, I just knew I was called to ministry. But I, yeah, I knew for a fact I was called to a specific vocation, and so I looked at it this way. You know, I'm, my goal was to be a pastor one day, and. I knew the first thing you have to do is become a youth pastor. <laughs> <Yeah>. sure, <that's
1: laughs> like, step, right? you're
0: not you're not yeah. going to be a, yeah. a pastor uh, right out of the gates. I mean, some people are, and it's it's I think it's rare though. Understandably, yeah. <laughs> it often doesn't go well. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and so um, not I'm not saying that I did it wrong, quote unquote. I just you know I was thinking like a college kid, yeah. and I thought you know. God's called me in the ministry. This is what I'm going to just, I'm going to do it. Like I'm, I'm I'm called to this. And then eventually like it became pretty clear that, um, that it's not as black and white as maybe I thought of it. You know, that there there are seasons of life where you're called into youth ministry right. or pastoral ministry. I mean, God has plenty of assignments for men right. that are going to go into the ministry. And I just, I've noticed, I mean, I'm, I'm at seminary now, I mean, people definitely there, a lot of the young guys know what they're going to be doing. And the thing is, you don't know what that's going to look like in five to 10 years. And now that I'm like 27, I'm like, it's, it's a lot, I mean, it's a lot more complicated than you think, you know, and, and also like just trusting in God and the sovereignty of God, like being faithful to God, you know, he's going to be faithful to us. And it's just like, let him work all those details out and he's going to open the doors. And uh, it's like moving to Fort Worth, man. Like I I remember I, like I was struggling whether to move here or not. And I just, you know, I was having discussions with my family, you know, with that. And I mean, there were great discussions, but at the end of the day, I just knew, yeah. I knew this is where God was leading me. Right. For some reason, I just knew that. And it was definitely a blessing yeah, for sure because it just, it worked out yeah. the way it was supposed to. And so yeah, I, that's that's really good. I mean, that's and it's good to not be so sh- people get so stressed yeah. and like like oh, I'm supposed to do that. That's what I'm going to do.
1: And not to say that you don't have goals and dreams, yeah. but you know, so Yeah, I just I often wonder um, it's unfortunate, but especially in the Baptist life um, We have modeled our churches after the world. We've we've modeled them after corporations. Um, And so it's only natural that that young men would strive to be the CEO, i.e. the senior pastor. Right. That's a natural thing. Um, Our church, by God's grace, is elder-led. Right. Um, Pastor Aaron is still the senior pastor. Um, He's the one that's primarily preaching on Sunday mornings. One of the main and most important goals of the local church is the preaching of the Word, and that position is crucial, and you've got to have it to yeah. have a church, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but uh, being elder-led allows other men that are called to serve where they're gifted without that pressure of thinking, I need to to seek or look for my, my big gift. Yeah. I can't be you know, a youth pastor, because that means I'm like the assistant manager. Right. Um, assistant to the regional. Yeah, exactly. The assistant to the regional <laughs> It's a shame, man, that that's, that's what we've done to church. It's, right, um, right. It's, you know, and, and when you serve in a role as a youth pastor or executive pastor or whatever else, um, people see you as the farm team. think that, right. that you're the guy that, that's looking for to be called up, you know, to yeah. be the man. and. I think we've done a disservice um, in the Baptist world when yeah. it comes to that. I think we need to tell these young men that are called to to pastor that uh, it's okay to to do that in whatever capacity you're called to and gifted in, and we we need to remember that. Right. I think that um, we've done a disservice looking at the local church in that way. Yeah,
0: yeah. I definitely, as a as a you know. A convention, the SBC, you know, definitely looking at a lot of our local churches. It seems like the, the, you know, you have one pastor obviously, and you have kind of the sub pastors right. underneath him, yeah. um, and that's fine. You know, I, I personally, I, I, I'm with you. I like plurality of elders. Right. I think that's a more biblical model. Yeah. But some churches don't see it that way, and that's okay. Um, and you know, they're the way they they train their pastors is, I guess, I should say they. They're not really actively training pastors. Right. They're just kind of, you know, discipling people, which yeah. is good. You need to do that. But then you're just kind of expecting people to come along and say, oh, I'm called to ministry. And then, right. okay, now you go to seminary. Yeah. Well, instead of like focusing on, you know, not necessarily time wise, but just in general, seeing, okay, this person is called to ministry. I'm going to show them how to serve faithfully as a member of the church, first and foremost. A lot of seminary students I've noticed are great individual, maybe preachers or yeah. podcasters right. or yeah. just students or whatever, but they're they're not serving faithfully in a local church and it's heartbreaking cuz like you're when you become a pastor, lord willing, you're going to not understand a lot of the things that are going on.
1: Yeah, I you know, I wouldn't advise um, a young man to go the route that I did. I mean, I'm 38 and working on a masters, but with that said, there has been a lot of value right. in working on a theological education and serving as a pastor at the same time. Learning the theory, being surrounded by godly professors, mm-hmm. but also serving in the local church, God has used that in a, in a great way to kind of keep me balanced, right? Um, to to shape the way that I look at the church and the way that I look at my right. education. Um, my calling is to lead my family. Mm-hmm. My calling is to pastor right and you know my academics fall after that. It's still right, important. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't advise going that route man if you're <laughs> young like you are and and can knock it out. That's that's great. But I yeah. would encourage young people to Man, it's key to be part of a local church, like you're saying, you know, to, mm-hmm. to see what's happening, to see how it really works, to see, you know, what your pastors are, are dealing with on a regular basis and the type of calls and counseling and stuff that's happened. You don't
0: deal with anything, though, right? No,
1: not no, no way. I've heard of people yeah. that have sinners in their right. church, but here everyone's pretty holy.
0: I, I, I like today, y'all did the pastor's talk on okay. Facebook, and y'all yes. just said y'all just stay up here at the church all day. <laughs> yeah, we do. I mean, it feels no, like it sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, and I, I get that you know, um, everyone has their own journey, yeah. and, and pastors, not everyone. I mean, my grandfather, for example, he became a pastor at age like 18 or something right. like that. Yeah, that's not going to happen yeah. today, mostly. I mean, and you know, today he's still serving as a pastor in Louisiana and um, he's been faithful and he's done great. But I mean, he didn't go to seminary and finish it all out in three or four years. He right. had to go back yeah. and he struggled. He had a family, he had kids, he had two or three jobs. Right. I have one full-time job. I'm a church member here and I go to seminary. I have a wife, no kids. Right. So I'm, I'm kind of taking the easy way out. <laughs> you know, I'm a slacker, I know. But you know, I, I, I know that like God's direction for my life you know is is going to look different than than yours and and and, and, you know my grandfather's and and vice versa and all that but in in the end you know the the lord's going to direct us where we need to go certainly so now kind of uh transitioning into maybe like a little bit more um something i don't know if you're more passionate about this or not but like missions i know you're you're kind of you're in charge of doing all the organize all the mission trips uh one place that um that we've our church has been to several times is St. John's. Is that oh, right? Yeah. St. John's. John. So, so tell, tell people about St. John's. I've never
1: heard of it until So there, there is, there's a town called St. John's, but this is the Island St. John. Um, no apostrophe. Yes. <laughs> That's um, confusing. It's <laughs> on a chain of islands yeah. called the West Indies, um, which was kind of the, the freeway to the new world when Columbus and some of these guys uh, came over. Uh, but St. John is in the Virgin Islands through a, um, Just this crazy thing happened, man. Um, I was with my wife's family. They were wanting us to take us somewhere. Um, Her parents were having a 35th wedding anniversary or something. Uh, So they wanted to take uh, my family and uh, my wife's sister's family and and go somewhere and celebrate. So somewhere along the way, somebody brought up this island. I don't even know how it happened. Uh, But we went there and fell in love with the place uh, as far as visiting it Uh, because it's kind of off the map, all mom and pop stuff, no commercial, you know, no chain restaurants or anything like that. A small island, a few thousand people. But in the the time we were there, the first time we were there, we went to this restaurant and this West Indian lady um, owned it. And I hadn't told her that I was in ministry or anything like that, but she invited my family to church. And there's a lot of voodoo and Rastafarianism and all sorts of things down there. So we weren't really sure what was going on there. We didn't know, but I took the name of the church because I was interested in it. And I did some research and my wife and I actually loved the island so much. We, her and I went back alone uh, several months later and visited this church. And it turns out that it was a church planted through the North American Mission Board, uh, really one of the only plants in, in that part of the world. And man, they meet in a pavilion um, on the beach. They, you know, hold to a lot of the truths that we hold to theologically. That they're Baptists, um, more Reformed leaning Baptist, and man, it was just a crazy thing that that has happened over the years there. And so, out of that, uh, we began taking teams down because each of these islands has what they call a carnival week, which is a celebration. Week and this particular island is owned by the United States, so their carnival week is um, leading up to July 4th, it's usually kind of June 29th through July 3rd or 4th. Right. And um, this is just this massive party that gets more and more uh, out of hand. They're celebrating uh, emancipation, and you know, there's a lot of a whole nother podcast could be on, on just some of those, uh, you know. Difficult cultural uh, things that we have to be aware of serving in, in different places we go, but right. It's this celebration week. It's this party. It gets more and more out of hand uh, every night, and it lasts till three or four in the morning. Uh, but what we have there through this partner church, Freshwater Church, uh, there is a, a children's carnival, and it looks like you know a carnival that you would have in the nineteen sixties or seventies here. Uh, But it's the only uh, place during this week that's kind of this drug and alcohol-free, family-friendly type of a situation. So we bring a team now every summer. We have for the last five years now, maybe six. uh, We take a team down. We serve alongside Freshwater Church and just minister to the community and try to have gospel conversations and and point people to this, this local church that's ministering to people on this island. For me, and I know for many, you think about you know islands in the Caribbean, and you think about these beautiful beaches, and, right? And that there, there is all of that, um, but because of that, there's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of addiction. Right. There's a lot of poverty. There's a lot of people running from their problems, hmm. and I think one of the things I love about our mission work and our partnership there is the variety of people in such a small space. Right. So, you know, Fort Worth, Dallas, you have people all over the map. You have the wealthy, you have the people in poverty, you have the people living on the street. In a place like St. John, you have all of that in this one tiny, tiny town um, right there together. So you're ministering to uh, the West Indian people you're ministering to the wealthy that have, you know, bought a villa down there. You're ministering to the, the sailors uh, that yeah. are, are running from things. A lot of addiction there. You're ministering to there's a large group of people in their twenties uh, that are down there and just on the party scene and bartending, and so it's a it's a hmm. unique partnership. It was only by God's grace that that, that happened, just right. through the crazy um, you know circumstances.
0: Yeah. So you you mentioned that. You know, obviously, when y'all go to uh, St. John, it's a the the mission, you know, or the kind of the goal of that week or you know a yeah. few days there are there is to really serve the, a local church there, uh, fresh water. Yeah. It's not really to go there and hey, here's some candy right. and yeah. here's some water and hey, let me yeah. hold a few babies yeah. and uh, get a few pictures for Facebook. You know, and yeah. then like you know, I know a lot of American. Uh, Christians think you know, uh, when we go on a mission trip, like our goal is just to, just to get people to be like us yeah. in every single way that we can. But they don't really connect them to a local church. Like, can you talk a little bit about that? About what it means to, like, in kind of in your method yeah. methodology.
1: Yeah, I mean, the hope of the world is you know the gospel, uh, mm-hmm. that Christ, you know, is Lord, he's, he's Savior. The the hope is that, and then what. Is set up is through uh, the local church, right? And so our missions partnerships are planting churches or partnering with, with churches that are planted. So, for instance, when we go to St. John, we're representing Freshwater Church. We don't go down there, it's Graceview. Um, you know, Pastor John or Pastor Wally, the elders there, um, to the church, they'll obviously you know, introduce us as that. But when we're out in the community, we're doing this stuff, man. We're wearing freshwater church shirts. We're, yeah. um, you know, an island like that, uh, this church, by our standards, is small. Right, right. But if you take an island of 3,000 people and they run, you know, 60, 70 people on a Sunday in a you know couple of pavilions, that's a, that's a good sized church. Yeah. But when you take that amount of people and you yeah. try to do, you know, the type of outreach that we're trying to do um, with the, the children's carnival, you need help. Right. And that's where we come in. And so, yeah, we represent Freshwater Church. Obviously, Jesus first and foremost, we're having gospel conversations, but we want the people on um, that island uh, to repent, to believe. And those that are believers, or uh, those that come to Saving Faith, we wanna point them to a solid local mm-hmm. church. And that's what we do in our other mission partnerships as well. Um, we're working in Guatemala. Over the last eight years, um, alongside MANA Worldwide, Mm -hmm. um, there's a group of churches here in the States that have partnered together, and with them, we've been a part of seven um, church plants in Guatemala, all in different villages. Mm -hmm. All of these are autonomous local churches, Mm -hmm. and all of them have a feeding program that feed children in the village um, every day. Mm -hmm. And along with that, there's a Bible study, but... The people in, in these villages in Guatemala, it's a local church that's meeting the, the physical needs mm-hmm. of these kids and these families and also, you know, preaching the gospel. Right. And the same is true now um, in Cuba. We've partnered with two churches in, in Cuba to, you know, bring uh, feeding programs and that sort of thing there. So, yeah, I I think we can do, especially as Americans, we kind of have this view sometimes with with missions that we're going we're gonna to drop in. We're going to parachute in somewhere. We're going to be there a week. We're going to paint a couple of buildings. We're going to throw some money at them. And we're going to go back to our church. And that's, in my opinion, does more damage than good. And yeah. so our mission strategy in Grace View is to, to plant or to partner right. uh, with local churches. And that's here, you know, in the Metroplex. Mm-hmm. We're part of planting churches. Uh we're here in the Metroplex. We're part of, you know, standing up against abortion. We're, we advocate for uh, kids that are in need. We have, you know, foster families. We, we're we in all the things we want to be involved in that God has called us to be involved in in our community. Mm-hmm. We're just doing the same things with our missions at a distance. And we have just a few partnerships, and that's by design because we want to lead teams every year to go and serve alongside these Partner churches, right? So,
0: so Guatemala, Cuba, and West Indies that's yep. kind of y'all's, yep. um, the kind of the mission, uh, the vision that you've had, yeah. Um, and see, I think then y'all go to Cuba for the first time, like Cuba would have, I think we'd about two, two, two and a half years ago, I think okay. Was the first time, okay. Then y'all have like, okay, I thought y'all had it like, y'all went somewhere for the first time, like in February. Well, or we,
1: the so we took, we've taken now two. Uh, two team trips to, to Cuba. Uh, mm. Pastor Aaron and I went uh, about two years ago to Cuba, mm-hmm. uh, kind of a you know just to, to look to see what the partnership look right. like that sort of thing. So right. we've led to two trips now,
0: and Cuba just opened up yeah. to where we can go. Yeah. I mean that's that's pretty cool. How was that? Was that an interesting experience? Or all the yeah. times you've been,
1: yeah, that's a strange uh, situation there. Um, much different than anywhere else that, that I've been. Um, very cool place man! amazing people. I think one of the most miraculous things there's, there's a seminary there and, uh, pastor Barbro, um, he's the, the president of the seminary. He was actually working on this PhD at Southwestern here. In oh, okay. He works on it remotely yeah. um, from there. So the odd thing is that the, the churches that we partner with there, um, they look a lot like Graceview. Okay. Because you have a, a seminary president uh, that's training right. these pastors, mm-hmm. that's educated um, from the same place that, that we are. And, man, these churches are thriving. You know, the, the seminary has had almost all of their presidents have been put in prison. Oh, wow. Um, at times they've been down to, you know, no students or just a few students, but um They've been faithful, mm-hmm. and it's been really cool in Cuba to see the faithfulness uh, of these believers um, through that seminary, through these local churches, and how through the revolution and everything that, that has happened, man, the gospel is just going forth there, and mm-hmm. it's crazy to see how solid these churches are, man. They're just, they're booming, there's not even enough seeds. There's people outside looking through the windows. Oh, wow. So it's um, God's doing a really cool work uh, in Cuba.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, so we've talked a little bit about missions and, and kind of pastoral ministry and kind of your journey into into um, uh, the pastoral role that you have here. Like, so I, you know, obviously this kind of season that we're in here at Grace Union, and, you know, obviously around the world, um, it's a weird time. Probably nothing yeah. has ever happened like this to you or yeah. this church or, you know, right. the SBC convention, you know, yeah. or the people here. Like, so what have you learned through this? Like, how are you handling, there's a few questions here. So like, how, how are you handling things here personally as a pastor, as a, you know, just a church member yeah. and, too, and like, you know, what do you see like going forward, how, how do you, I mean, maybe not that you can predict the future, yeah. obviously. We're not into, so you, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe you can. I mean, uh, weird, but uh, <laughs> kind of biblical too, right?
1: <laughs> Jesus yeah, says some, up, yeah,
0: some but heresy, what, yeah, some, some, heresy in there. some, yeah, but um, like, what do you see maybe going forward, the grace you looking like in terms of ministry and stuff?
1: Yeah, it's been, uh, like you said, a strange time. It, um, just unprecedented uh, decisions as a pastor and, and as elders. You just, no one teaches you. Um, right. You there's not a class. In yeah, about, I haven't taken that one yet. There, there might there, be one, one now. <laughs> there's many classes they don't have.
0: That right. That would be right. helpful, but that's Absolutely. that's one they don't have. That, yeah. Um,
1: Pandemic, so, yeah, you're just, one. you're just working through it, man, trying to be faithful. Um, obviously, we have a great group of elders here. Um, we are a diverse group. I'm the youngest when I'm 38. Um, you know, there's guys that are in there, you know, 60s, 70s. So you have a wide range of, of men that have um, some own businesses, um, you know, some are retired pastors. So I have a good variety right. of, of, of solid dudes with a lot of a lot of wisdom. So that's been helpful. Um, it's been helpful that even in even in that room, we have different um, opinions personally right. about this. What's going on? Um, what exactly it is? You know what? You know what's the agenda? Those sorts of things. Um, but we've just tried to be faithful in making uh, kind of the next decision, and I think that's that's what we've tried to do: is not get too far ahead of ourselves, yeah. and just to say, All right, here's what we're doing next. Um, We made a a few decisions early on that um, one being that we were going to not just live stream, but actually be live um, on Sunday mornings. That's been uh, at times a pain with the Internet and those sorts of things. But uh, it's also been good, I think, to it's fun to interact in, in person or not in person, but, you know live um, right, right. Of people yeah. and you know families are posting pictures of their watching, you know, and their PJs and that sort of a thing. So that's been fun. We also made the decision early on to to not try to mimic our normal Sunday service. So we're doing it a bit different. You know, it's a couple of songs. It's yeah. You know, a shorter sermon of Pastor Aaron and I kind of have a piece there at the beginning that we call the virtual lobby, just talking and, (laughs) you know, doing what we would do in the lobby and just, you know, interacting with comments and those sorts of things. Yeah. So, man, I think to do it over again, I mean, there's, you can armchair quarterback it, um, but we've tried to be as faithful as we can in the time that we're in and now. You know, we're working through regathering. This past Sunday, we had an outdoor service yep. at nine. We still did our live stream at 10. So now we're in that phase and just taking it week by week. As, as elders, we've been meeting every Thursday. Uh, we have a Zoom meeting. We've done that since since week one. Um, and then, you know, before all this broke loose, we had our last meeting in person to kind of say, where do we go from here? but. We're in contact every week. We meet every Thursday night for an hour to three hours yeah. to, to talk through what God's doing in the church, man. But he's been faithful. I mean, our people have been faithful. Um, I've been shocked that our, our giving uh, has been up. We've had uh, the best weeks that we've had ever, I think. Um, but Yeah, it's been a, it's been an experience. It's actually, a
0: sh- I'm kind of shocked to hear that. I yeah. mean, uh, I actually, you know, honestly, but the financial part of a church is sometimes awkward to talk yeah, about, yeah. but you, you know you kind of think through this, like the giving is going to go down. Like, yeah, I mean, it has to, actually, like people, right. you know, but that's crazy. That's so definitely a quote what God thing. I know yeah. it's kind of cliche, well, but.
1: just to, you know, the people at this church are, man, they're solid, they're right. faithful. Um, you know, we're covenant members, we practice covenant membership and, um, and a part of that is that we're all called to be a part of this thing and, and serving and giving and being committed to this church. And That's been proven right. during this time. And yeah. this it's all over the map as far as, you know, I'm sure you and I would disagree on how to handle this or what exactly is going on or what uh, decisions is the government making. You know, you take a church of our size and people are, you know, all over on how they feel about this, and right? That, that's been a challenge, but even that's been fruitful. Um, just ministering to our people and, um, you know, reminding everyone that our hope's in Christ and um, the truths that we see um, in Scripture. Yeah,
0: and it's—I mean—it's temporary, obviously. Yeah. Like, I mean, we're going to eventually one day meet back in yeah. the in the sanctuary. Well, that's the plan. That's hopefully you know, uh, but. I know that um, it can be frustrating and, and discouraging. I mean, I, I think I forgot. I think it was Aaron. Maybe yeah. said this or whatever. But like, just people being there Sunday. I, me and Amy weren't there. We were back in Louisiana. Uh, we're sinners, I yeah. guess. For the first weekend, we uh, we had an opportunity to go back. So Ever
1: wise to venture over to Louisiana? <laughs> really
0: though? Hey man, we got some good food over there. That's true. <laughs> but uh, you know. Um, I, th- I think it was Aaron that said that like people just were there saying, you know, yeah. it, it was definitely needed. Like it was different. You know, it was live streaming is, is um, not preferable, obviously, and not what you want, but it's what you can do only what you can do it at, at this time. Right. But being in person is, yeah. like, that's obviously what we want. You know, that's, 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 what, that's, what, we're, what, we're, that's what we're trying to
1: get back yeah. to. Yeah. And, you know, it's as joyous as it was Sunday, you know, it's still hurtful because right. there, there's people that, that can't be with us. Um, and, um, but man, we're just trying to do the best that we can in and, and a situation that we didn't see coming.
0: Yeah. So. And I mean, you didn't ask me to say this, um, but, you know, I, I think you and Aaron and the rest of the others have handled it as about as, probably about as good as y'all could have. I mean, I mean, if I were in y'all's shoes, I'd... I don't know what I would have done. Yeah. Like seriously, I, I'm part of me. I like let's keep meeting. You know, I want to, but you know, then again, you know, I, I didn't have all the information that y'all had. I didn't talk to the people that y'all talked to. Yeah. Um. But you know, I mean, honestly, and this is what I want to say to people that are listening. That um, I mean, if you're hopefully you're going to a local church, you're you're involved somewhere, uh, wherever that may be. I mean, contact your pastor and just encourage them. Cause I know, I know like yeah. this has been rough on y'all to yeah. an extent in ways that maybe you didn't expect. Um, and I, I, just, I would encourage y'all to do that because I mean, we, we saw the pastor, I forgot his name. Um, Darren Patrick. Right. Darren Patrick, uh, passed away. I, I think you, I don't want to say prematurely, but it looks like a, um, self-inflicted uh, and you just don't know. Yeah. You, you really don't know. And, um, and I, I've never been a pastor before, so I can't say I know how it is, right. but I've, I've got a taste of it in youth yeah. ministry, right. just a, a small yeah. taste of it. And it can be discouraging, but you know, just because there's pressure, but at the same time that, you know, God's faithful to get us, get you guys through it and, you know, give y'all wisdom and stuff like that. Well, I, it's I know just another
1: man. I'm, I'm sold out to elder leadership. Um, Man, guys that serve in a, a like a senior pastor only uh, type of church, man. I've, in times like these, right? Man, it's been hard for us. Right. Um, but um, if you're, you know, convicted of elder leadership, but at, at this moment maybe it's a church that doesn't have other men that are called or qualified. Um, by God's grace, as uh, tough of a season as it's been. Um, you know, there's other men. Um, Walking together through this, um, and it's much um, easier uh, in a lot of ways. It's not easier to make decisions, but it's certainly once they're made, you've talked through them. Um, you know, then you're you're in it together. Yeah, um, right. You're pastoring you're... and shepherding and leading together. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, that's been one of um, a reminder for me uh, in this. It's just. Serving alongside uh, other other pastors and making tough decisions that we've right. had to make.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, Landon, um, I think um, that's that's kind of all the things I wanted to discuss. I think we covered everything. I think we've solved all the world's problems. I think so. We should be good. Uh, yeah. There should be <laughs> no Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, my mom's going to be the only one listening to this. Hey, mom. <laughs> <laughs> journey, mom.
1: Hey, Ms.
0: Not Ms. even Amy. But, Amy's not going to be listening to this. She will. She yeah. Will.
1: Um, but anyway,
0: um, do you have anything to say that you wanted to share or no, talk man, just, about?
1: Thank you okay. uh, for for having me. Thank you for what you do for the church, man. You're, you and Amy are faithful and ministering well to the students and, and anything else um, that comes up. So so thank you for what you guys do and the sacrifices the sacrifices that you all yeah. make.
0: Well, I appreciate it, but you know, like you said earlier, it's 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 all Amy. <laughs> That's I don't know if you said that during you told, the podcast. You told me
1: if I was going to come on, I had to like give you praise
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah well anyway I you know we've, we've loved grace you we really have a, a lot of the, a lot of new friendships we've we've have been formed out of coming here and, and uh, it's been great and um, but we're, we're thankful for you guys so, but um, anyway uh, thank you all for for listening uh, to today's episode uh, this conversation with Landon um, like I said earlier if you desire to go back and listen to whatever episode you you would like to. Uh, Maybe you have a lot of free time because you're locked down in your house or whatever, or just maybe you just want to listen and uh, appreciate it either way. Uh, But I I pray that the Lord blesses you this week. I pray that he uh, strengthens you. And if you're going through a tough time or uh, just spiritually just drained, I pray that the Lord will uplift you and give you grace uh, that you need. But anyway, come back next time and we'll be be glad to continue our conversations. God bless.